Does it sound like I'm on? Yeah, cool, great. We're there. We're there. I am. Um, hello, my name's Paul, one of the elders here uh, at King's, and it's great to, to be with you. Um, before we continue our series in Thessalonians, we're in two Thessalonians today. Uh, we just want to hear from our young people and from Jacinta about last weekend. So let's welcome them up. Okay, so Jacinta's going to let us know a bit more about the uh, weekend. Um, and, uh, but first of all, Jacinta, why don't you tell us what Radiate is, and very briefly, I know you sometimes struggle to be succinct, which I do as well, um, but um, it's all good, fun family stuff. Um, yeah, what's your heart for Radiate? What's your heart for these young people? I guess. Um, uh, Radiate is, well, hello. We are some of Radiate. Radiate is our youth group at King's, uh, and it's for 11 to 18 years old, and that's what it is. And uh, what was the other part what's of my your, heart? What's your heart for, for these young people? I mean, uh, that, uh, that obviously, as you said, I could go on and on and on. Um, I mean, I think that young people... I just, I don't know. I was trying to think about it outside and I was just starting to cry because you guys, I really care about you guys. And I think that God doesn't separate us into, oh, I'm only going to start using you or start speaking to you or having a relationship with you once you hit 18. Um, I mean, you guys know this, you parents know this. Um, I think that I'm not a biblical scholar, but if you go through the Bible, Mary, mother of Jesus, she was rewarded for how faithful she already was that she got to carry Jesus, and she would have been in Radiate. Mm. And lots of other people, David, when he was looking after the sheep, he would have been in Radiate if he wasn't so busy looking after the sheep. Um, you know, and I think that it's a really particular time of life when you're a young person that that there is specific things that we want to talk about. There are specific struggles and difficulties in the same way that we might have, you know, conversations and groups at churches for parents or for, you know, people at all different times of their life. This is a really key, important time. And I think it's in Ephesians. Maybe you guys will remember because I shared this at the Youth Weekend Away. Um, that it talks about being rooted and established in mm. him. And this is a time where we, we want you guys... We want to be, and me too, we want to be rooted and established in the Lord. And also, you guys are just great. All the radiate, I love hanging out with them. Amazing. So, yeah. So you've been at the Youth Weekend Away? Yes, which is with other relational mission churches across Norfolk at Letton Hall for a weekend. I really didn't want to go, as anyone who's spoken to me about it will know. <laughs> uh, but there's a backstory to that. She's yeah. not like super negative about young people. Oh no, no, no. Um, That's she, yeah. Obviously, there's a backstory there, but God I share just, the. But uh, you know, I did really want to go to be and be with the young people. Yeah, is the point. Yeah, and so I did go, and the Lord answered lots of prayers. There was. Even though I kind of, the way it's organized, I wasn't with 
the Radiate people most of the time. I got to have little moments of conversations with all of you guys, which I really enjoyed here and there, little snippets. And um, God, you know, was there, was speaking, was at work. And I know that we had a lot of encouragements. Joseph shared a picture from the front in one of the meetings that God had given him. And, you know, other encouragements that I'm sure will be kind of sitting in the young people's hearts that won't necessarily have been shown up the front, but that the Lord was absolutely at work. And we're going to share some of those. Yeah, let's hear them. And, and also, not just in the meetings, and there was all diff- sorts of different activities. So, Edward, what did you really enjoy about the weekend? I really enjoyed the worship. It was really long, but it was really good. <laughs> it was really long <laughs> and really good. Um, anything else you enjoyed over the weekend? I enjoyed the go-karts. <laughs> Great. Amazing. Brilliant. Yeah. And, Joseph, anything you enjoyed or anything that encouraged you? Um, I enjoyed, like, speaking with God, like, in my head or whatever. And yeah, I've never, I never actually really connected him like that, um, like outside of church and stuff like that. And it was really nice being there, and it was really nice seeing friends and everything. Brilliant! Amazing! Thanks so much, guys, for sharing. And um, do be praying for the young people. Do be praying for me. Um, do be praying for, you know, the leadership of the, the Spark and of Radiate. I mean, I know that obviously the Spark are in here today. In Radiate, we don't have the leaders that we're expecting to have, and we need people and we need prayer. Mm. So do be praying for us and obviously for the young people and also thanking God for all the encouragement that's going on. Thanks. Amazing. Brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah, go on. Have some fun. Go for it. Love you guys. Um, right, let's get into God's Word. Um, so you'll be glad today, you've, you've turned up on a Sunday, we're working our way through 1 and 2 Thessalonians, we have got a super spicy subject today. Um, it's, um, it's one of those subjects where you come to and you're like, I, I, I'm going to really need to do some reading on this, I'm really going to need to make sure that we uh, communicate clearly. Um, there's no doctrine really in the history of the church that has probably been debated more heavily than this and probably divides people, uh, some Christians, more uh, widely than this subject. Um, there are various views on the subject uh, within what would be orthodox belief. Um, so there will be differing views of people even in this room. Um, but, um, but that's okay. That's okay. There are a range of views often on certain subjects in terms of interpreting scripture that fall within orthodox evangelical uh, belief. Today we're looking at the subject of election. (laughs) Look at the subject of election, of God electing a people to be his own. As as elders at King's, uh, we are... uh, We believe that the Bible is unapologetic and unembarrassed about God choosing a people to be his own. So with that controversial statement out there, I think we need to get our feet on the solid ground of the Bible. Uh, We're going to be doing a lot of looking at scripture, what different verses say, and I just want to let God's word speak uh, for itself. Okay, so we're in 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. And we are in verse 13. OK, 
Okay, Paul says, but we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. Lord Jesus, we do pray that the beauty and the glory of this calling, this sanctification, this glorification would be seen in our hearts today, that we would cherish what you've done for us, how you've gone before us, how you've rescued us and restored us and chosen us, Lord Jesus. We want you to be glorified, we want you to be honored, and we pray you would this morning. Amen. Okay, so if we could grab the next slide, we're just going to see that in this passage, there's a chain of events that Paul is trying to communicate. The chain of events, really, are that God chooses or God calls. Uh, We see that, uh, first of all, uh, because from the beginning, God chose you. And in verse 14, it says that he called you. That is the first uh, event in the chain. The second event is sanctification. And we'll, we'll go through what these, uh, these words mean. So he called you to this. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, God chose you, this verse 13. God chose you to be saved through the sanctifi- sanctifying work of the Spirit. And finally, we've got glory, glorification. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is trying to communicate a sequence of events here that God, first of all, chooses and calls. There's then this deal of sanctification, uh, a one-off event, and then a process, and then all to bring us to glory. It's a wonderful process. Paul unpacks it in other detail in the book of Romans, the letter of Romans as well, and in other places in the Bible. And it's a, it's a process of events that we're to cherish. We're to cherish God's saving work in our lives. And it's got so many different factors, and we'll work our way through that today. Okay, first of all, God chose you. He called you. This deal of being chosen or being called um, is right throughout Scripture. I want to read us some verses. We'll start with some, uh, quite a few from Jesus. So in Matthew chapter 11, it says that no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Matthew 22, 14 For many are invited, but few are chosen. John chapter 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. John chapter 6, verse 44. More words of Jesus. No one came to me, no one can come to me, unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. 
John 17, verse 9, I pray for them. This is Jesus praying for the church. He's praying for believers throughout all of history at this point. He's praying for you and for me. He says, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but I'm praying for those, he's talking to the Father, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. Acts chapter 13, verse 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. Romans chapter 11, verse 5 to 6. At the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace, a remnant, a, a group of people chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. And finally, this is not by any means a full picture of all the verses, but these are a, a good collection. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him, in Christ, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. God is about a work of salvation, which begins with him choosing a people for himself. Electing a people, predestining, predestining a people before the beginning of time, before the foundation of the world, God said, I'm going to save you. I'm going to redeem you. You are part of my chosen people Maybe just let that sink in. If you are a follower of Jesus today, that God chose you. That before the beginning of time, he said, you're going to be my adopted child. It's amazing grace that God would do that. If you're anything like me, you might be thinking, like, what, what did I ever do to deserve such grace? What did I ever do to deserve a calling like that to be chosen? Did God look at my record and go, yeah, he's going to be good enough. He's going to make the right decision here. Oh, he's going to choose me anyway. No, no. All because of his grace. It's completely undeserved, unmerited grace that God would choose us. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that we are all in the same boat, that none of us have deserved God's grace. All of us instead have deserved God's wrath. But God, by his grace and for his glory, has chosen some to be saved.
Let's make sure we see it in that light. I'm sure there's lots of questions that might be going through your head. What if he has chosen some as he, uh, for, for salvation? Has he chosen some for hell? The Bible doesn't look at this doctrine of election like this. And we must guard our hearts and our minds as well, not to uh, do an injustice to God's mercy, his grace, his character, his justice. The Bible portrays it as God choosing a people. And we must guard our minds to, to take it no further there. How do we understand that? Well, we understand that by trusting that this is the way that God will get the most amount of glory. I can't understand that. In my human heart, I would think God, a God of love would, would just choose everyone. That's, God's ways are not our ways. God's ways are higher than our ways. We must trust that God will and get the most amount of glory by doing it this way. Brothers and sisters, it's a deal of trust at that point. It's trusting that God is good. It's trusting that God is just. Two Peter chapter three, verse nine says that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That is God's heart. That is God's heart today. Why is God not wrapping everything up, bringing everything to uh, fruition, to the end times, to judgment, to new heavens, new earth? Because he is patient. He wants all to come to him. His desire is that all would come to repentance. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, his desire today is that you might come to repentance, to not be hard-hearted, to be soft-hearted and come to repentance. So God chose us. God chose a people to be his own. We then see in verse 13, as I said, that we see this deal of sanctification. From the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. So sanctification, what is this? What's this, this word that you know, maybe you've never heard of it, maybe you've heard of it, but don't really understand what it means. Well, there's two parts to sanctification. The first one would be uh, considered positional. Can you all say positional? So you're all still with me. Okay. So the positional deal is that God declares us holy. He declares us set apart for him. That even though we continue to sin on a daily basis, even though we continue to all fall short of the glory of God, God declares us in Christ holy. That is mind-blowing. <laughs> we would declare ourselves unworthy. God looks at us and sees Christ, and therefore, because we are in Christ, we are declared holy. Once again, not because of our own record, not because we've done good things, not even because we've got it right today, and we can therefore go, yep, God declares us holy. No, set all of that aside, we are declared in Christ 
a holy people set apart for him. Acts 13, 39. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. That, yes, amen. That is our position in Christ. It might not be our, our, our everyday experience, of being, feeling set free from sin. But trust me, trust the, don't trust me, trust God, trust the Bible. That is God's word. We are set free from sin. That's our position. The second part of sanctification is the ongoing work of becoming more like Jesus. The ongoing work of living in the good and the position of who we are in Christ. Living in the good of who we are. Romans 8.29 says that we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So God chose us and called us and set us apart even while we were dead in our transgressions. Even while we were still fully devoted and giving ourselves over to sin. He set us apart. And then from that point on, God is about a work of sanctifying us and conforming us, shaping us, molding us into the image of his son. It's God's work. He started making us like Christ. He will see it through. If you feel discouraged about your, uh, your walk with Jesus, your holiness, walking in the good of who you are, let me encourage you. It's God's work in you. Philippians 1 verse 6, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. There'll be highs and lows throughout the, the ongoing work of sanctification. Trust that the end game is already assured. Your sanctification, your, conf- your being conformed into the likeness of Christ is already guaranteed. God cares about our becoming like Jesus. He really, really cares about it. There's a lie that we can believe that, well, once God saves us, does he really care about our behavior? Does he care about what we think, about what we do with our bodies, about what we feel and think? Yes, he absolutely cares 100%. We're sons and daughters of God. We've been adopted, and he expects us to live like his sons and daughters. If we don't, we dishonor him. We disrespect him. Through this, we're always full of uh, trusting God's grace and his acceptance of us, that when we fall short, we come back to Jesus, trusting in his work on the cross, that his blood absolutely covers us. But God wants us to take seriously this process, this ongoing process of sanctification, becoming like Jesus, partnering with him, and that, that deal of coming back to God's grace once we've sinned, when we've sinned, is part of that sanctification process. And actually, the, the, the sign of, of maturing actually through sin, through that those things we give ourselves to, those things we keep returning to. Actually, the sign of maturity is the speed at which we get back to Jesus. 
the quicker we get back to Jesus, the more that it shows that we trust in his grace, that we believe in his grace, that we believe in his goodness. 1 Peter 1 verse 15, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. For without holiness, no one will see the Lord. It says there, in, in terms of this process of sanctification, it's the sanctifying work of the Spirit. So we've seen that. It's the work of God. It's the Spirit in us. But it's also through belief in the truth. And then it says in verse 15, So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. So it's, it's belief um, in God's word. It's putting our hope and our trust in God's word. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by the truth. This is Jesus saying, Sanctify my people by your truth. Your word is truth. It's standing firm on God's word. So what would be an example there? There would, there would be many. One example would be that God cares about what you do with your body. Just one example. God cares about what you do with your body. There's an ongoing process of being conformed into the image of Christ that means that we should take serious care of what we do with our body, what we give ourselves to, our eyes, our mind, our brain, our hearts, our affections, our very members, our hands, feet, etc. God cares. And so joining with Jesus in this process of sanctification means looking at God's Word. And, go, and, and when you read God's Word, if you read something about that, to, to try and conform yourself into that, to, by God's grace... Take hold of his power, his empowering presence, and say, yeah, I'm going to live like that. So you'd, you'd read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 to 20, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So there's clear instruction there, clear instruction to uh, use our bodies to honor God, to love God, and to love others. So the process of sanctification looks like, okay, what does it look like to partner with God in that? And in that, uh, those verses, it's, it's quite clear. We take hold of the truth that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. So we believe that. We go, well, if I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit, that means to look at certain things that dishonors God. So I don't want to do that. I love Jesus. Okay, I'm going to cultivate a heart of thankfulness around that. I'm going to go, God, you are enough for me. I don't need to turn to these, these dry wells. I don't need to turn to these wells that will never satisfy. I can drink deeply of Jesus Christ who will always satisfy. We can take hold of the truth there in verse 20 that you were bought at a price. So you can know you're not your own. So when you think about your hands and your feet, your eyes, your brain, well, none of it's yours. <laughs> we are not at liberty to just do with our members what we want. 
So we can drill down into these truths. It's hard in the battle. It can be really tough in the battle. Take time out of the battle to drill deep into these truths, to take hold of them, to believe them. Because when you are in the battle, you can draw upon that. That's the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Okay, finally, God brings us to glory at the end. Verse 14, he called you to do this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the purpose of the choosing and it's the purpose of the sanctification. It's all to bring us to glory. This is amazing. This, God had a purpose in choosing you. So when you were maybe at school or, or maybe at work, at school you might be picked for a team. There's a purpose in the choosing. It's to be part of a team. You might get chosen for promotion at work. There's a purpose in the choosing. God had a purpose in choosing a people for himself. Jesus said it so wonderfully and communicates so clearly his heart in John 17, verse 24. He's praying to the Father. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. That is a wonderful heart communicates, isn't it? I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. And to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world. So the aim, the goal, the destiny of our calling is that we may obtain the glory of Jesus Christ, that we might share in God's glory. This is the God-appointed, blood-bought, spirit-assured goal of our lives and of our calling. The greatest and highest enjoyment in our future is glory. The highest and greatest enjoyment in our future is glory. It's the glory of Christ. It's seeing Jesus for who he is. We were chosen that we might share in his glory. Okay? Do you get the picture? It's about Jesus. It's not about our glory. It's not about us. We would come uh, very naturally in our natural selves, thinking that salvation is all about us as individuals. That it's me just coming to Jesus, and it's my faith, it's, it's my relationship with Jesus. And culture would feed into that. Even if we don't realize it, it would say, yeah, it's, it's, it's about you. It's about what you want. It's about your walk with Jesus. God is far more concerned about us as a body. So the Bible portrays us as Christians as the bride and Jesus as the groom. It's, two, it's Jesus and it's us collectively it's not Jesus and then a ton of indiv- like millions of individuals worshiping Jesus. It's the groom and it's the bride. It's the bride worshiping Jesus. Saying, worthy, worthy is the lamb. 
It's the bride and the groom. We collectively are the bride. On the wedding day, on a wedding day, recently had Ed and Julia, a wonderful wedding, just to celebrate in the coming together of two people. On a wedding day, where all eyes are on the bride, as the bride comes in, she's prepared herself for her groom. Everyone looks back, don't they? Down the aisle, the bride in beautiful white, perfect as she walks down the aisle. Everyone's thinking, oh, she looks amazing. Everyone thinks the groom scrubbed up all right. <laughs> They've done okay. Eyes are on the bride. At the end, in glory, it won't be like that. All eyes will be on the groom. All eyes will be on Jesus, on Jesus' glory. We will be overtaken and, and overjoyed to share in the glory of Christ. We won't, share, we, we won't be sharing it in our glory. It won't be the glory of the bride. The glory of the bride is only that the bride has been conformed into the image of the groom, into the image of Christ. That is the glory that we, sh we will share in, the glory that we will partake in, in Jesus' glory. Beautiful glory. Our being chosen goes before, like we can think, well, when I became a Christian, that was the start of the journey. It wasn't. Before the beginning of the time, the Father, out of love, overflowing love for the Son, said, I want a bride for my Son. Out of love, I want a bride for my Son. I want a beautiful bride. And I want that bride to share in the glory and the overflowing love and goodness of the Godhead, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want this, this overflowing love to be experienced by my chosen people, my bride. I want a bride for my son. This is how we should understand salvation. This is how we should understand being chosen. Let's get out of our minds this individualistic sense of, 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 of our salvation, that it's, it's us, that we, we brought it about, or that we trusted in Jesus off our own backs. No, God, before the beginning of time, chose a bride for his son. It's a staggering way to understand salvation. I'd love to unpack it further. Maybe another time we will, but... Let me encourage you to dwell on that richly. That we are the bride of Christ. We come to, together as a church, as a church family, as a church body every Sunday. We're a collective people, not as individuals. We're thinking about the whole. We're thinking about how can I use my gifts to build up and encourage one another. 
we would encourage you, this is a slight side, but guys, get here a bit earlier, get here early so we can love and care for and welcome people. It's part of being the body of Christ. It's part of being the family. If someone turns up at your house and, and like you're not there, <laughs> then, and you turn up late, and it's like, that's not a very good welcome, is it? Come on, church family, let's be here early to welcome, to love, to care for one another. What's the practical deal of this now? Hopefully, I'm sure God's word has encouraged us today, but we can have great hope today for our future glory. We can lift our eyes off of the temporary, lift our eyes off of what's going on in our lives, maybe the difficult things or the things we've got to get done or the relational difficulties we've got or will we be able to celebrate Christmas with our families. We can lift our eyes off of the temporary And look forward to sharing in the glory of Christ. Everything else will fade away. We won't look back and think, oh, I wish I'd given more of my my thought life or my heart to that thing. (laughs) We'll be thinking, Jesus, your glory. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. We'll see Jesus, the lion who conquered Satan's sin and death at the cross, who overcame, who bought with his blood a bride for his own. He sacrificed himself for us. There is no greater love than someone who lays down their life for another. And Jesus did that for his bride at the cross. He took our sin, he took our shame. He took our brokenness that he might be able to make us like him, that we might be conformed into his image, that we might be made to be a beautiful bride. So we can take our eyes off of the temporary and look to the eternal, look to what really matters most. By worshiping God, And giving him the glory now, we prepare the way for that future day. We're really just in some measure taking part in what will be ultimately fulfilled at the end. When Jesus comes on the clouds, when he brings and raises the dead, and those who are still living will be joined with him. And he'll bring his bride to be with him. So beautiful, God's plans and purposes for salvation. Let me encourage you, church family, brothers, sisters, as Paul does, to stand firm, therefore. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you love Jesus, don't be questioning your salvation. Am I saved? Will I fall away? You're chosen. God's about a sanctifying work. And he will bring you to glory. Let's stand. I'm going to pray. We're going to worship him. It's the only right response to worship him, to give him the glory.
as we sing, think about that day. Think about joining with Jesus. Think about sharing in his glory. Think about beholding the beauty of the groom. We see in part now. Join in now. One day we will see it in full. We'll take communion. There's cups around. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on what Jesus did for you to bring that about, to make that possible. Jesus, you are amazing. We, God, we love your plans and purposes. We love that you have throughout history, Lord, worked your ways. You've brought salvation to your world. You've been shaping a people, a bride to be yours. And one day, Lord, we look forward to being joined with others as your bride. We look forward to the day of beholding you in all your beauty. We love you so, so much. Be glorified in our midst, Lord, now. And Lord, in the coming weeks, the coming months, Lord, be glorified in our worship. Help us to fix our eyes on you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.